that's forty low. Hello and welcome to the Forty Below sessions for Forty Below Volume Two, Alberta's Winter Anthology. And today we are going to be talking with poet Charlotte Cranston. And before we move on, I will tell you that today's episode is sponsored by Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex is an actual brand of things that keep you warm. Gore-Tex. They have not sent us any money yet. So... In this episode, we talk to Charlotte Cranston. She is a young and bright and bubbly and cheerful um, young poet who lives in Edmonton now, originally from Hinton, Alberta. We talk a little bit about that. We have a couple Hinton artists in 40 Below Volume 2. And uh, she came to see us uh, when she had a little bit of a cold. So that was very nice that she made the time uh, to come see us. And... um, yeah, she's got a great piece in 40 Below Volume 2. She's normally does spoken word kind of poetry, um, so it's kind of ver- a very hard thing to translate onto the page. But her, uh, I think her poem is a great fit. And uh, let's go to my talk with Charlotte Cranston. So thanks again for coming. I'm not feeling well. Uh, it's what it is. We'll make it quick <laughs> and painless. So you are the Edmonton Youth Poet Laureate. Is that, is that how I pronounce it all yeah. in the right order? Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> and how long have you been, how long have you had this position? My term began on, oh man, was it May 1st or June 1st? <laughs> so uh, not, it hasn't been too long. No, no. So four months, so June 1st um, is when I officially started as Youth Poet Laureate. And how long is the, uh, the term? I get one year and one then year. the next person takes over. And... So is it basically like, is it a Batman and Robin situation where <laughs> the, the poet laureate does like the big things and then you go to like the junior things or what was <laughs> what's the idea behind the youth poet, poet laureate? It's kind of uh, it's kind of a separate thing, but uh, also there's a lot of mentorship that happens. So the former poet laureate Mary Pinkowski is my uh, is my official mentor and. She sends me sage advice and calms me down when, <laughs> when I need it. And uh, the current poet laureate, uh, Pierrette Requier, is just a phenomenal human being who took it upon herself to take me under her wing, even though we both started right around this exact same time. Um, and we are doing some events together, and we bounce ideas off each other, and we meet up. Um, but there hasn't... From what I understand, there hasn't been any official partnership between the two positions. It's just been, you know, the beauty of, of poets and and that desire to mentor. Oh, so the they they were it was created separately, completely. Yeah. So they never really who 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 is in charge of you? <laughs> so uh, this is Mary's legacy project, and uh, she teamed up with the City of Edmonton Youth Council. So most of the people, or at least a lot of the people on the selection panel were youth council members, as well as some people from city council and and some other organizations um, have helped out on that as well. So they just thought, they thought of an idea of a youth poet laureate not to be something that necessarily would would work in tandem with the poet laureate of the city. But once once they kind of found out, once uh, she found out 
who that yeah. is going to be you. Then she reached out to you. So yeah, but, yeah, it was um, created as a separate position, but it's just been beautiful in the way that it's been unfolding. Because, you know, that's the whole point of trying to get, you know, my job is to get youth more involved in poetry. And having somebody who is older than me and, and, and wiser and who has all this experience is a wonderful and beautiful thing. And the idea is that we're going to keep passing that mentorship on to Youth Poet Laureate after Youth Poet Laureate. Um, so I'm going to be one of those mentors one day and they're going to be a mentor. And it's going to just keep being that domino effect. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And was the that position of poet laureate when Edmonton we've been do they've been doing it a while now yeah when they first you know when they first introduced that program and when the poet laureate started to show up was that something that you were looking that you looked towards that you said maybe one day I'm gonna be the poet laureate of the city I had no idea that it existed until a few years ago um, so the the first poet laureate that I ever knew of and had the pleasure of meeting was Anna Marie Sewell and that was she was the poet laureate before Mary but when I met her and when I met Mary I I thought about it I thought yeah what a cool job that's gonna be you know when I moved to Edmonton and then I did move to Edmonton I thought ah that's something I'm gonna do one day and this is you know as soon as this opportunity came up I saw someone post the application online and I immediately thought, that's for me. That's something I want to do. This is my dream. I think a lot of people thought that too. They thought that you would be, I think you fit right in. I think it's a perfect choice. I hope so. (laughs) Whoever made it, whoever thought of it, I think it's great. And so what kinds of things have you been, uh, have you gotten to do uh, so far? I know it's pretty early and there's been the summer in between. Yeah, yeah. It's been tough because I haven't been able to connect with a whole lot of youth uh, outside of Youth Right, where I get to work for two weeks out of the year. So it's been a lot of brainstorming, a lot of learning, <laughs> um, some performing, uh, some, you know, getting to meet new people and uh, getting excited about upcoming projects and designing those. And it's, it's been a pretty steep learning curve. So I'm, I'm really excited now that it's fall and I get to finally, you know, see these, these ideas start to you know, take root. So when you said, so you just said when you moved to Edmonton. So where did you move to Edmonton from? Hinton. Oh, another Hinton. Another oh, Hinton. Yeah, there's another, uh, there's somebody else from Hinton in the what? book. What? What? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. We probably know each other. <laughs> His name is Nathan. Huh. Nathan Waddell. I can say it. I mean, it's not a secret. He's in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his name is Nathan Waddell, and he's a coal miner. Okay, that makes sense because it's Hinton. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do there. And oh, But he wow. lives He lives here. He works there. He okay. Still goes, he still goes into uh, to work in at, at the coal mine in Hinton. So, but, yeah, his story kind of takes place, and he doesn't really name the name it, but yeah. it's basically Hinton that he's talking about. Oh, yeah. It's a hard place to not write about. Once you've been there, because it's such a strange little town, you know, it's it's really strangely spread out. And on the one hand, it's this really industrial place and comes off as really redneck. And then there's also this little art scene and there's a part of it that's still cute, cute little town. And that's the side I come from, you know. So when did you, when did you, did you come to Edmonton just when you were coming to study? Yes, I came here. Uh, for the first time in 2011, so I was 18. Um, it was the city of my dreams. I fell instantly in love with it. 
and then I was kind of back and forth you know my folks still lived in in Hinton and now I get to be here full-time and they still are in Hinton your folks no they moved here oh yeah to keep tabs on you obviously (laughs) I'm sure it had nothing to do with their little princess moving to Hinton or to Edmonton so the thing the thing I think about when I think about Hinton is yes there's that industrial Mm -hmm. but it's also the it's for people in Edmonton especially it's the place that's on the way to the place that you're actually going to always yeah does it feel like that when you're there that it's it's just because it's on the way to Jasper for yeah. people that are listening to other places. If you live in Edmonton, I think the 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 routine with my family was <laughs> you'd get up very early in the morning on a Saturday morning, yeah, so that you could be in Jasper on the ski hill by about nine a.m. to get the whole day in <laughs> before you'd get back in the car and drive back to Edmonton, and then Hinton would be pretty much that first the first stop, yeah, and. Uh, so does it feel it feels like that for people that are there that it's just a place that people think of as like a basically a gas station and an A and W? I know it felt that way for me. I can't speak to the others, but I moved there in two thousand and two from Rossland, BC, and I was devastated to have to leave British Columbia and it took me a long time to adjust and then, you know, I fell in love with Edmonton. So for me it's always, you know, been a place that I went through. Uh, it's funny because every time I mention I'm from Hinton, someone usually says either, oh, yeah, I know Hinton, you have a Dairy Queen. <laughs> or I know Hinton, you have a KFC. Or, oh, yeah, Hinton, why don't you have a Burger King? <laughs> yeah, fast food is uh, definitely plays a part. Like for us, it was A&W. Oh, yeah, we cruising stop, the dub. We yeah. Would, yeah, we would stop there on the way uh, on the way to Jasper. One time we there was a particularly for some reason, I guess we had this trip planned, and this was we were actually going to stay in Jasper uh, th- for the night and then ski the next day as well. So, but we had still left very early in the morning, and it was extremely cold. But we were like, well, we've planned the trip. It's happening. And uh, we, there was actually so many of us in this trip that we had two cars. It was <laughs> like my brother's friend had come, and so we had like kind of like a two-car system. And my parents got up very early and put us all in the – in the car, and I was old enough to drive at the time, and I remember um, we had the there was an old Cadillac that we had, and the heat was very bad, so we were all bundled up in kind of blankets and stuff. And I just went to sleep as soon as I got back as soon as I got back in the car to go. And I remember I, my dad waking me up somewhere along the way. He really, really wanted me to drive because he was very tired, mm-hmm. and they were having a very bad time. And I just went no and went back to sleep <laughs> and I woke up and we were and we were my mom had driven the other car and they were all kind of standing around in the parking lot at the NW just kind of saying we are never doing that again <laughs> we left way too early it was way too cold and then they were chastising me for for not helping <laughs> out and I didn't realize that there was such an emergency but I guess they were my parents were quite tired oh no and it was uh, yeah but also we would go to we would stop in at Hinton on ski trips with the school yeah. when we went to Jasper. So, But for you, it was also that way, it was a way point because you were there in the middle of ending up in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. Um, can't tell you how many times I've driven anywhere and said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but that's part of being an Albertan. <laughs> so I think I know the answer to this question this time, I but I've asked everybody it, but mm-hmm. I think I know the answer. So this piece that's in 40 Below, mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that you'd written before 
or is this something you wrote specifically for? I wrote this specifically for. And uh, <laughs> you also sent me another story, yeah. another piece <laughs> that was very good, but it got accepted elsewhere at the basically the same time. Yeah, so we, within there was a, a day. Little, there was a little uh, dilemma there. Yeah. Because you wanted it to be in this other thing and then... Yeah, yeah. That was a stressful time because I just want to please everybody. So I told, I don't know if you, the editor of the other magazine told you, but I put up a huge fight (laughs) and I said, I'm not going to do it. No, but it was very good. It was, it made sense. And I thought, well, as long as she just sends me something else, I know it'll be great. So it it worked out. It did. And sometimes you just, you know, I've been trying to write this poem for so long. I had this image of a washing machine in my head because that's, that's literally what we did when we first moved into the new house. We didn't have TV, so we'd watch the washing machine and it was this beautiful moment between my mother and me um but you know if you don't have a deadline or a reason to write it sometimes it just stays in your head as this little treasure but it's so much better once you finally get to put it into a poem so well that's the perfect uh time right now is uh why don't you read it for us and uh we'll talk a little bit afterwards you bet the standstill In the new house, we didn't have TV, so we watched the washing machine spinning, tossing, jerking to a halt. Winter's breath guided us earth-severed underground beneath starkly barren landscape, which in its whiteness would have us believe nothing would ever grow again, that the soil had drowned in salt. On the outside, we said stillness breeds serenity. We saw movement in tossing snowdrifts, and the last of the birds. We were hopeful to a fault. We taught ourselves to stay put, stamp the itch from our feet, and praise the sky, our secret ocean. We knew our reprieve would soon enough spring forward with the mud and the slush and the salt. Great. Wow! (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) You did great. So... Yeah, you talk about the. I mean, it's it, it's very good. It's hard to kind of break down poems the same way that, uh, instead of if you were just reading a story. But your relationship with with winter has it changed as you've gotten older a little bit, or is is it pretty much stayed the same? It's changed a lot. When I was a kid, I lived for springtime, and I still do. I still do, but I've found that appreciation for the winter, and especially coming to the city where there's so many things to do. But there's always going to be a part of me that sees it as this bleak, horrible time. But I think I'm learning to find the poetry in it. The older I get, the more poetry I see in in that stillness. And I was I was just talking with somebody else about the, this idea that maybe they get more work done as far as writing goes in the winter because they can kind of shut themselves off. Oh, is yeah. that is that the same for you? Absolutely. I I have to write in the winter. It's you know, in the summer I write because I want to write. In the winter I write because I can't not. You just have to. You just you you got to do it. And so, uh, I have, did I ask this already? Are you still a student? Yep. And where do you where are you studying? I go to the U of A. I'm a sociology major with a minor in creative writing. I just started school today. I'm in my fifth year now, probably of six, maybe seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're going to really go for it. It's it's not that I'm really going for it. It's that I <laughs> am just crawling through it little bit by little bit. But it works for me. 
I like going part-time and I like taking time off and focusing on on whatever needs to be focused on at the time. And so the the sociology major. So you have you have things in mind for yourself other than maybe being a poet millionaire. <laughs> like all the rest of the poets. Yeah, yeah. Out there. Sociology millionaire. <laughs> you know, when you go to the job postings and all these people looking for sociologists. <laughs> no, I I learned fairly early in my degree that if you're going to especially if you're going to be an art student go for what you love for what's interesting for what you want to study because it's sad that in this day and age you kind of need a degree that that's true but when you're 18 years old and you barely know yourself and you're just coming from a small town and wanting to to learn everything just pick what it is that you love and and love it so that's what I've been trying to do and I learned I've learned a lot of things through school and I've learned a lot of things out of school and I guess that's why I'm always going part-time is because I try and bring it all together and, and cobble it together bit by bit yeah that so sounds we'll see where that goes yeah and so the, the last thing I wanted to uh, talk with you about is the the first time I saw you was at a a, a reading night and um, you did a you performed your poem. You mm-hmm. kind of you had something from memory, yeah. And it was very theatrical, <laughs> and there were lots of changes in voices, and you maybe even sang a little bit in the middle. Sounds and like it me. was pretty <laughs> incredible, and it was uh, very exciting because I had no idea what was about to happen when we saw you up there. And so it's kind of it's it's cool now because now you're in the book, and we I've seen you uh, a few more times and being able to see you do your work. But when you when you're writing something, when you're writing a poem, are you, do you know as you're doing it that it's going to be something that is performed more theatrically or do you, or like the one you just did here, it's, it's a straight ahead kind of a thing. Did you sit down to write something that didn't need to be, you know, performed yeah. in, in like that slam poet kind of way? Yeah. I, I mean, at this point in my life, I am primarily a spoken word artist, but when I wrote this piece, I was looking at the the way the words, you know, halt and salt and fault, the way they look so plain on the page and they're just, you know, right there and they can look a little bleak. And then I love the, the visual of that. So, and, and I, I think when you speak a poem like that out loud, even that has to be black and white. If you can speak in black and white, then you have to. Um, but generally when I'm writing, I have an idea of what it's going to sound like. A lot of the time, a phrase or a few lines even will swirl about in my head sometimes for weeks, sometimes for years before it turns into anything, and then the rest of it kind of flows through over time. But it takes a lot of back and forth, and sometimes I will repeat the same thing in the shower over and over quietly. You know, you got to taste it before you can write it down. Very good. Very interesting. You got to taste it. Yeah, some words just taste good. You know, one of my friends said that once, and it always stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, some words really do taste good. <laughs> well, I think that's the perfect time to uh, to finish up. But uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming in. I know you're not feeling 100, percent but thank you for coming and reading your piece, and thank you for the piece that you uh, that you sent in for 40 Below. I think <laughs> it's going to be great. Absolutely, uh, thank you. People are going to love it, and uh, yeah, thanks again. Yeah.